0: Welcome to The Edge of Act, the podcast where we explore the intersection of human stories and business success. I'm your host, Carolyn Crawford, and I'm thrilled to have you join me as we explore the minds of entrepreneurs, marketers, and visionaries who have mastered the art of alchemizing their personal journeys into their business success and learn how you can apply what they've learned to your own business. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply someone fascinated by the power of human stories, The Edge Effect is here to offer you insights, inspiration, and a fresh perspective on what it truly means to make your mark in the world. Get ready to be moved, motivated, and challenged as we embark on this incredible journey together. So let's begin. I'm Carolyn Crawford, and this is The Edge Effect. Hello, everyone. I am with the amazing Tina Ramichi, founder of Tiny Knot Co., a woman and mom-owned brand that provides sustainable and comfortable baby apparel and accessories. Tina, welcome. I'm so excited to learn more about you Tiny and Tiny Knot Co. and the human story behind your brand.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Awesome.
0: Cool. Okay. So I want to dive in first with just the origin story of Tiny Knot Co. Because I did a little bit of research on you and I thought... It was very relatable origin story, but I think what I found, there's a lot of things I found, found interesting as I dug more into it and like how you got started and what's been important. So I just kind of want to give you the floor to share how did Tiny Notco come to be? Um, and we'll dive into a, that process a bit more.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, in 2020, July of 2020, um, so almost three years ago to the day, I had my uh, baby girl, Charlie. And I, uh, this was in the height of COVID. So we were working from home and I was in a very toxic work environment before maternity. And, um, when I had my daughter, I unfortunately battled some severe postpartum anxiety. Um, she had a lot of feeding issues and a lot of sensitive skin issues and she was fine. I was not fine. Um, and my maternity leave was four months long and the joy of Spending time with my baby was like stripped away because I was dreading going back to work. Mm. And honestly, even if it wasn't a toxic work environment, I was dreading it. You know, it's my first child. I'm not mentally stable. Um, And before that, I've been in product development and design in accessories for the last 12 years. So that's kind of my my career background. And I always wanted to start something on my own, you know, whether it be a boutique or a brand. Um, Cause I've always been on the other side of it. Right. So I designed mm-hmm. for like Walmart and QVC and, you know, a bunch of other big names. And I was always, you know, in the background, which was great. Um, but, you know, you never really get any credit for it. Totally. So when um, I've been thinking about like, what can I do on my own? Nothing really kind of s- stuck out to me. Nothing really inspired me. I had a few ideas, but I was always kind of uh, like worrying of like, who would buy from me and why like mm-hmm. why me you know a relatable um, fear by the way <laughs> yeah I mean why me Any, anybody and everybody wants to start a brand so like who yeah. cares about Tina from Long Island's brand you know um but having my daughter and really being faced with this feeling of I need to make a change with my mental health and with my career now is the time because I was literally at my rock bottom breaking point my marriage was crumbling you know my relationship with my friends was gone because i just went off the radar and i said um you know i was really struggling with breastfeeding it was just a whole thing and i said okay i'm done i have to make a change um, i started visiting you know doctors and therapists and they encouraged me to try and focus on a hobby that made me feel good so i put a lot of bows on my daughter's head because i was on the fa- in the fashion industry she had to look good you know and <laughs> every time I put a bow on her head, it would leave an indent on her forehead. And oh that gosh. just made my anxiety spiral, which you could, you could con- compare it to like a sock imprint, not harmful, mm-hmm. but for me, it was like the end of the world. Um, and on top of that, she had uh, eczema and very sensitive skin. And I was introduced to uh, bamboo baby pajamas and when I found them, that first of all, they are so super lightweight. They were so soothing. They made her skin like incredible. It was like the only thing that didn't make her break out. So I was like, oh, great. Let me find some bamboo headbands. They didn't really exist. Um, so fast forward, uh, we launched uh, December 6th of 2021 with um, as a headband company And I have a patent pending design that doesn't leave a mark on the baby's head. So it's sewn in a way where the fabric, instead of getting tied like a traditional bow, the fabric actually goes into the bow and it lays flat against the head. Super comfortable. Um, And yeah, that's kind of how I got started. And we've snowballed into other products and and pivoted from there.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I just think, Juan, just to start, Thank you for sharing that part of your journey, because that is not a hard, I mean, not, not hard, not an easy part at all to one go through, of course, but also share with others. And so thank you for sharing that. And I know that myself and a lot of people can probably relate to it. I am not a mother, but I have heard a lot of really tough stories from mothers. So, um, so thank you very much for sharing that. And I also amazing though, that you came from this very impressive background of product development in that, like, you also were like, up until that point, you're like, well, there's just nothing. I'm not inspired by it. Right. Like you knew you had the skills, but it wasn't, it just wasn't there. And sometimes it just takes time to do. So I just wanted to highlight that for anyone who's kind of going through a very similar thing.
1: Just hold on to it because the idea will come hold on to the root of the idea and, you know, be prepared to pivot, but it'll come if you, totally if the time's right. Amazing.
0: And also amazing that like it's a, the patent pending, which I have, I actually have a question about it, but I want to get to talk through some other things first. Can you share a little bit about how that product development process happened for you? And obviously it got inspired because you were like, there was nothing, no bamboo had on the market this was an issue that you were like, I cannot have my this leave an imprint on my daughter. Can you just share like a little bit about what that process was like to be like, okay, let's build this this way. And this is how it's unique and all the things.
1: Yeah, I actually have a picture I could share with you. Of oh yeah, living, please do. Of my living room table in that, cause I was like, this could be a moment in history for me. So I took a picture, <laughs> I'm so glad I did. Uh, yeah, I cut up a bamboo pajama Uh, I cut up the legs. And I taught myself on YouTube how to sew. It was horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) And I essentially just tried so many different ways on how to tie and sew the knot, because it had to be sewn, it couldn't be tied, right? So Mm -hmm. I, I, it was a lot of trial and error. My poor daughter, I have pictures (laughs) of me holding like these buns to her head. So yeah, I just, worked on a prototype in between feedings and naps, even though I should have been napping myself. Um, But it really took my mind away from, you know, the mental health struggles I was having. And I being kind of like hyper fixated, I perfected it, right? So it literally started with a cut up pajama. uh, And then from there, once I found the design I wanted, next was the research phase. So it was okay. Headbands are not a one size fits all because babies grow at an incredible rate in their first year of life. So I wanted to offer multiple sizes um, with finances being tight because I was bootstrapping and using my personal Mm -hmm. savings. I decided, okay, I'm going to start with two sizes. So I went, this is like crazy. I went on the CDC website and I pulled the like growth chart of head circumference. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, you got it. You got to do it. That's the I mark like,
0: of research for you. <laughs> I
1: was, I was like, okay, so my daughter was like four months old and it fits her head. But then I had a friend whose daughter was the same age, but her head was in like the hundredth percentile. I was like, this isn't going to fit her. <laughs> so I took, I spent like an embarrassingly long amount studying average head circumference <laughs> and Uh, perfecting the perfect sizing structure. So we have two sizes, one's extra small, small, which is uh, zero to six months, and then medium-large, which is six months to about 2T. And then from there, I was lucky enough to leverage some incredible relationships I've had through my product development years. Um, I had a really good business partner at the time. Um, She owned a handbag factory. She was struggling with COVID. We decided we want to try something together. So she took on the production part and, and made the samples. And first I was sewing them myself, but then I was like, this is not sustainable. So, uh, yeah, I hand drew all of the prints myself. i um, having an illustrator and Photoshop background. So all of the prints were original. So that took a lot of time to kind of, nice. I would draw a bunch of stuff. I would have my friends over and say, which prints do you like? What do you hate? What do you want? Uh, and then. That's that's how the the initial stages went a lot of research, a lot of research <laughs> like a year of yeah. Research. I find that and maybe, and I
0: appreciate you like really stressing it because I find that like, and this is just one sliver of the whole business pie, right? But like I find that like market research so often we just want to skip through because it can feel so like pointless. It's like, okay, I get the point. I get the point, whatever. But the more time you r- truly dig in, spend and even just from just the marketing portion of it, even spending so much time researching that market, it just sets you up for long term success, I find.
1: Absolutely. And it also saves you a lot of headache and financial mm-hmm. mistakes because you might think this idea is great. And just like me, I went on Google and found it didn't it didn't exist. Uh, it kind of does exist, but it's about how you market it. Right. And also. Right. Competitive analysis is huge because you need to be so aware of what your competition is doing and identifying your white space. Going back to like, who's going to buy from me? Why? Why would they buy from you? You know, what is the difference? What? What void do you fill? Down to pricing because the yeah. market dictates your price. I could think my headbands are worth twenty eight dollars because I hand sewed them. Mm. That doesn't mean somebody's going to pay for it. So, market the, the initial research like. I had my daughter in 2020, I didn't officially launch until 2021. That was all research. And mm-hmm. I pivoted and changed my mind and changed the design 150 times based specifically on R&D. It's super. Important. Wow. wow, that's so interesting. And
0: I appreciate that you also use just the term you have to find your white space, because yeah. I think even just looking at it like that, because I find and I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. But like, I find that particularly for the marketing side, right, of just, okay, there's, it's very rare to have a completely original brand new idea. So if you're coming in, you're going into a competitive market in pretty much every industry, in my, in my opinion. And so how you stand out is, and like you just said earlier, it's like, it is how you market it. And so I'm curious to know, how did you determine what your white space was?
1: So definitely what I ran with was the fact that all of the prints were hand drawn. uh, So they were very exclusive. I highlighted the fact that the business ownership was mom's. um, And I also highlighted the the patent, you know, so we had to get all the patent paperwork like straightened away before we could even say patent pending Mm -hmm. and That was my white space because bows are bows and you can go on Amazon and you can get a variety pack for a dollar a bow. Ours are 1299, but you know what? We spent a year researching them. They're comfortable. They're stretchy. They -hmm. don't, they, they solve a pain point, right? So that's, that's my biggest thing was what is, I found a pain point personally with my daughter's headband experience. Is it revolutionary? No, but I thought if I feel this way, somebody else might. And I started kind of gauging my friend's interest on like, mm-hmm. is this something or am I like wasting my time? And I found that no headband company was really focusing on comfort because mm-hmm. it's very easy to slap a synthetic or nylon bow on your baby, which no hate to any of those companies. They're beautiful. I did it the whole time, Right. but nobody was focusing on, Hey, these look cute and your daughter's not going to rip them off because they're comfortable, you know?
0: Right. Right. That's such an important point. And, And thank you for sharing that. And I think even to the three main points that you brought up of like, you know, we are business mom, business owners, which are so, so important, especially now to highlight. And then also to, you know, I like that you, did you know, Can you share a little bit about like why the patent was so important for you? I can understand it from a business strategy standpoint, but to even infuse it in the messaging, was it, yeah, actually, I don't want to make assumptions here. So if you can share a little bit about the strategy behind that.
1: Yeah. So number one, IP to protect myself because Mm -hmm. I did extensive research to see if something like this existed. Uh, before I even decided to market it this way, because I'm not trying to steal somebody's idea, even if I think I thought of it, maybe I wasn't the first one, right? Um, And I think just having the words patent pending, the fact that the USPTO will even look at your application and, and, you know, maybe they reject it, but it's a huge marketing ploy. So I, not ploy, but a huge marketing kind of benefit I have worked with several entrepreneurs and inventors in my career, and I'm so fortunate to have that experience. So I was able to learn the way they think Mm -hmm. and the way they work and the way they communicate those messages, especially when they're inventing something um, or making something proprietary. I just saw how much exclusivity those words brought to that product because it essentially is saying, I can't get this anywhere else. This is hitting a pain point of mine. I need to buy it.
0: Totally. For sure. 100%. That's, it's extremely smart to do because, and I like that you use the word exclusivity because I think more and more what works very well for marketer for marketing in general and just, especially for B2C companies. And cause it's all like so many people talk about customer loyalty. That's not a new concept. But exclusivity, which is also not a new concept, is something that almost gets overlooked so often because yeah. it's like we've got so much and there's so many ways to go about it. But when you preserve a certain piece of your messaging strategy or whatever it is that really emphasizes exclusivity, I find that that it justifies a premium price point. It justifies why it justifies loyal customers it also it may you know lose out on the people who don't really care and just want to bow for one dollar right. but that's also not your target customer at that point Right. so right. it really kind of and amplifies the the quality of the customer so I, I i i think that was so smart to do and it sounds like you also like you said you learn you got you were very fortunate to also learn and be surrounded yeah. by so many things, and it's curious to know. And I ask, I've asked several people who I've spoken with for this podcast of like, how did their background influence what they're doing now? Because there's sometimes where people have careers that are completely different from what you're doing now. Yours actually is very much like it was. It almost feels like a very organic next step. Can you share something from like your career or like your past life, essentially? as to like what kind of surprised you that you picked up on while you were building this?
1: I think I was very fortunate to have the career I had, even though it was kind of a natural progression because having a prototype and an idea is great, but unless you're making it at home, where are you gonna go? Are, Mm -hmm. Are you gonna get on a plane to, china and knock on a factory and say hey can you make this for me you know so i have been fortunate to stay in contact with so so, so many of my factories which has given me an incredible advantage because i could send an email as i thought of the idea and say hey is this in your wheelhouse like let me see if you can do something like that also when uh, I was in my career and my, my bosses would be, you know, making me negotiate on first costs uh, with these suppliers. And it was like a penny, a penny here. And in Mm -hmm. my head back then I was like, it's a penny, like, come on, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but a penny on a 200,000 piece order. That's a lot of money. So, and it's funny because now me being in this position, I'm like, um, okay, I don't need this label. How much (laughs) is this going to, how much is this going to save? And they're like, Half a cent. I'm like, no, at least two cents. So I'm like, oh, it's
0: like full circle. I love that. I love the the things that we like eye roll pre- previously, and now we're like, oh, I get it. I, <laughs> I understand now. I oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's so interesting to know, right? Like you don't. It's true. Like you don't think about these things when you're in it, but like now that you're in a position of that type of leadership and making making those decisions you have to think about those things. and like, You have
1: to, especially if it's your money on the line or investors' totally. money on the line, you Every have penny
0: literally counts. Literally counts. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to talk about Tiny Knot Co., specifically the brand. Can you share a little bit about like how you came up with the concept of Tiny Knot Co.? Obviously, I would imagine it was derived from, you know, the design and everything like that. But when you envisioned the brand, what did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, so uh tiny knot co refers specifically we started with like this um this bun.
0: So I say? love the inventory setup behind you by <laughs> the way. <laughs> uh
1: so we started with these kind of top knots. Um so just cuz I didn't I didn't see a lot of them and somebody gifted me an Amazon pack of of these kinds of styles for my daughter and she had these big chubby cheeks and they were so beautiful and so cute. So um <laughs> we wanted to play on words uh, with this kind of bun and also not having a traditional knot within it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and tiny for tiny baby. So thus uh tiny knot co so cute. Yeah. And my vision back then was just um, which is, which is funny how it's pivoted since then. Uh, bamboo was all the rage and um, you know, it was, was, marketed sustainable and good for the environment. And um, I thought, okay, I have to mark these up, not mark these up. I have to sell these at quite a high price point because number one, I'm drawing all of the prints myself. So that means I am buying fabric overseas in higher quantities. It's going to cost me a lot of money. Also, this isn't just like a throwaway thing. This is something that will last you for a long time. Um, it's bringing value and it's it's hitting a pain point. So my vision was to really be the go-to brand at that point for people with daughters that focus on comfort and sustainability, uh, which is interesting to say, because since then and now it has come out that bamboo, once it's spun into, this isn't new knowledge, but I think the, the consumer market is just kind of picking up on this, And I was guilty as well of not knowing this. Bamboo, when you spin it into rayon, you actually lose all of the inherent properties of bamboo. And this is not to bash bamboo at all because my daughter, Mm -hmm. even me having a brand, only wears bamboo and my fabric, which I will talk about in a little bit. Um, So, you know, the whole like hypoallergenic and clean production really isn't valid and actually the FTC is cracking down on Mm. Walmart and Kohl's and um, I think another big box retailer that are making any sustainable claims against bamboo saying it's not sustainable it's not green there's nothing wrong with it it's just not as environmentally friendly as people thought and you know that social responsibility and all of that is a really really big important part of my life so I said okay All of these headbands are bamboo, they're amazing, people love them, but what's next? What's actually sustainable? And I stumbled upon Tencel Modal, which feels, in my opinion, exactly the same, honestly, better, Um, and that's the direction we went. So when we decided to go with Tencel Modal, we thought it was a really good opportunity to test the market with another product. Um, So we started with headwear, And we did some mommy and me items. We did scrunchies, um, but it's a very limited market, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. people with baby girls. So what's next? Pajamas. Every baby wears pajamas. Babies are going to be born every day, every year. It's not going anywhere. So um, March of this year, we launched our first um, baby pajama under our sub brand called Nourish and Snug. Um, And it's uh, we started with this convertible footy. So it's got like on-demand mittens. Oh
0: my God, it's so cute. It's so on-demand,
1: cute. On-demand footies. Um, and the the name behind Nourish and Snug actually has meaning because every item purchased from Tiny Notco provides 10 meals to children facing hunger in the United States. And that's through our support of an incredible charity, uh, No Kid Hungry. Uh so to date we have been able to raise enough money to provide I have to check today cuz we just went viral on TikTok so this number could be like much bigger but to date we have raised enough to provide 7000 meals to children. Oh my god. Incredible. Incredible. So, okay. Know...
0: So I've been waiting for this part to get brought up because I, when I was like researching tiny knot, I one, I'm very familiar with no kid hungry. I've loved the organization for years for those that don't know. And maybe I'm butchering the the description of this, but they basically aim to help um, end childhood hunger in the United States. And so people who donate, they basically supply free meals for children. Right. Yes. And so, So anyways, what, okay, again, I have so many, so many (laughs) comments about what you just shared with with everything. So just to kind of touch, because I got really excited about this, you, it's so interesting that you created a sub brand with the name and meaning that ties directly back to this organization. Can you talk a little bit about how you basically put this type of giving back and this sort of donation piece into the fabric of the business. Can you talk about why that was versus being like, we don't, we just donate or whatever. Like you truly made it part of the brand just based on the name. Can you just share a little bit about
1: that? Yeah. I mean, it's very easy to, you know, just make a donation and, and everybody that can do it does it. And that's incredible. But again, to find that white space, I really wanted to ingrain in the DNA of the brand that we're not just a brand that's here to make money. We're a brand that is leveraging their exposure to end hunger, you know? And we might be little, uh, you know, we might be small, but we're growing, but we're, I mean, 7,000 meals in, that's and that's just since, that's just since January. So we're like, we're literally- Of this, in.
0: just this year? Yes. Oh my God. That's incredible.
1: (laughs) Incredible. Yeah. So, you know, I sustainable material is expensive. And again, why is somebody going to spend 31 to $35 on a pajama? right? Right. So number one, we design it with extra length. So they grow with the baby. So you're not buying a new pajama every two to three months. Number two, I want, I wanted people to feel good about their purchase. And Initially, when I set out this journey to, you know, start a brand, it was, you know, like everybody else. I don't want to work full time for somebody anymore. I want to do my own thing. But I kind of had a humbling experience and I kind of just sat back and, and looked at my life and said, I'm fortunate. I'm not rich or wealthy by any means, but I live a comfortable life with my husband and my daughter. We live within our means why it's selfish to me to try and make myself rich when I am doing just fine, I wanna give back. And I want to provide parents with sustainable items that care for the planet. I wanna provide items that last longer than your average baby item and something that you're gonna buy and you're gonna be so excited to put on your baby. And then you see the tag that says, this item is providing 10 meals. I mean, you're gonna feel incredible about that purchase. Mm-hmm. And not only that, you're going to make a child feel incredible. You're going to make a school system feel incredible. You're going to make, you're going to change so many lives by just this one purchase and not just mine, you know? Yeah. So I thought it was I kind of went off the rails there, but I thought it was just very important to no, at all. Drive I love that, that drive that into our messaging is, you know, you could feel good about where you're putting your money. Totally. I, I
0: love it. And it's not, again, it, I'd say it this way, but like, because I, we, we said the word earlier, like marketing ploy and I don't, and it isn't, it is in the technical terms. Sure. We could say like when you were talking about that messaging, but like, it isn't at all because it's so genuine. Right. Like, and I think a lot of brands they're like, Oh, we need to do this because they know that it's a market. It's going to help with the marketing, but it's so nice to see a brand that really is like, no, like we don't just talk, like talk the talk. I'm now now I'm just butchering the whole analogy, but like, I got you know what I mean? Like they, you are truly like, no, we have a sub brand related to it completely directly <clears throat> tied to helping this mission. And, and it's just so clear and genuine. So I'm, I'm so excited that you've been even able to donate 7,000 meals, which is just for this year alone. That that's, incredible that's a thousand meals one uh, every single month like yeah. incredible incredible yeah. I'm just like amazed right. and it's such a good cause and so and I also love that it's so tied back to your mission in general which was yeah. and, and cr- correct me if I'm off <laughs> base here but like truly like the fabric of tiny notco is like really just giving kids like their more of uh, making comfort for kids more accessible and that yes. even ties back into nourishing them as well because yes. that makes
1: them yes.
0: um that may maybe that was stretch, but <laughs> no that
1: was <laughs> that's, that's exactly it we nourish yeah. bellies and we keep your baby yeah. snug
0: so i love it i love it okay so i want to talk about the actual marketing of it you said you went viral on tiktok can you share what happened and because I saw today on Instagram and uh, like some of what you posted and everything like that and I just think the strategy was really cool so I've tons of questions as I've had this entire time but if you could share um what happened and I'll probe for more
1: (laughs) yeah so completely unexpected um I've been on TikTok since the the inception of my business and I used to show up a lot more but it's hard with a three-year-old uh so I decided, okay, like, how can I spark my creativity and like get TikTok involved and like hold me accountable? So I actually let TikTok design this pajama. So I said, what do you guys want in a pajama? What are your pain points? What's the price? What are the colors? Like, they made my following made every single decision, like, everything. I have a whole playlist on it. And then most recently, I just tested the market with solids, um, but everybody wants prints. You know, mm-hmm. It's good for the consumer to buy from me because my items last longer than your typical baby item, but that's not great for return customers for me, right? Sure. So in order to keep the momentum going, you have to release new styles and new prints. And unfortunately I'm still so new, so I can't afford to have these weekly drops that some of these big brands do. Um, but I said, okay, I'm going, I'm going heavy on a print. You guys are helping me. I drew a bunch of prints. They picked it. TikTok picked it. And then I put it on my site. And I have um, some brand ambassadors that work for me um, in, in social media that just kind of have affiliate marketing and, and help me kind of get the name out. So I put I put the stock up of this zippy on the Thank website you. on Thursday. And I said, okay, I'm putting it up, but I'm not, I'm not announcing it. I want you guys to order yours. I, you know, they get a free pajama for for Mm -hmm. the affiliate program. So I just put it up. I didn't announce it. Then I said, okay, tomorrow we're going to launch in our Facebook VIP group to get our VIP uh, people a chance to buy. And then we'll do a hard launch on Monday. This is all Thursday. So Thursday I was like, okay, I'm document. I've documented every single step of creating this pajama on TikTok. Now I'm going to make a video. They're here. The boxes were delivered outside. I'm going to make a video of me opening them, sorting through inventory, talking about them and post it. Expecting to get the standard 200 views that I've been getting over the last year. All of the sudden, my developer is calling me and is like, what is going on? Your website is crashed. (laughs) I had... 9,300 people on my site within an hour, and they crashed my server, and nobody could check out. Nobody. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god. That was my chance, and I blew it. (laughs) (laughs) Take notes to anyone. Get a big server. (laughs) Your back end is like, tied and he's a dear friend of mine, my developer and he was like, Tina, I have never seen this in my <laughs> lifetime. I didn't even know how to prevent it. We were up till two o'clock in the morning up at six in the morning the next day trying to luckily I had eight, about 80 people come back and buy the next morning so that alone was a success. but oh I my gosh in, I had them in my hand and if we sold out, which I feel like we could have if, if the site was running, we could have provided 40,000 meals with just Incredible. this collection, um, but I'm confident that we will do it again and we will You sell absolutely
0: out. will. Even if you literally just say for all the 9,300 of you that went onto the site, if you go back,
1: 40,000 meals. I did. I did. I was like, I was replying okay, to every message that was like, oh, we can't, we can't get on. I'm like, we're back on, we're back on, we're back on. But you know, yeah. I lost, I lost the momentum, but it is what it is. But incredible one. It's so
0: nice to know, like now that it's happened, it's nice to finally, it's like getting confident confirmation and validation. That's yes. like, okay, it can happen. It yes. can happen again. Yes. Cause we see, see all these stories, right. Of like, but yeah. And it's just,
1: yeah. I, people went to my site, whether they were just looking or not, something intrigued them to come. So it totally. just validated that the last two years of sleepless nights and missing out on some time with my daughter that I'm working on my business instead of spending time with her are going to be worth it. So it was a really good, like gut check of like, you're not wasting your time, girlfriend.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have so many questions. So before, so I love that you engaged with these people. I love that I want to start for when the initial concept of like, design, design the next product, basically completely choose every aspect. Why did you choose that, that to be the strategy in the sense of like, I want you to design every
1: single piece? Number one, um, we are so fortunate enough to have social media to leverage our direct target market and say, Hey, would you buy this or not? And you're going to get an answer like Mm -hmm. that versus Back then, you know, 10 years ago or before social media became so accessible, you thought of an idea and you just guessed if it would sell. Um, And now more than ever, I'm finding that the most successful small businesses are ones that show up and show their face and tie you emotionally to them, right? So I could make videos all day about how amazing I think these pajamas are, but okay, so what? People want to know the person behind the brand. They want to connect with them. They want to feel like they are heard. Um, And I thought, what better way to leverage my market than to literally invite them into my product development process and make the decisions and tell me literally down to the stitch and the price, what they want. They told me what they wanted and then it was up to me to deliver and provide it. And And it
0: looks amazing. It's such a cute, (laughs) adorable product. And I would imagine very soft.
1: Yes,
0: (laughs) unbelievably soft. Oh my God, it's adorable. Okay, so I had a question about, I I think it was such a genius idea and it made it so fun. And also the fact that you were able to literally bring it into fruition for them. So it's almost like a crowdfunding. And I think this is why crowdfunding when it first started was so popular because people were like, it's really cool. To be a part of something and even though my contribution may have been seemingly pretty small right but like yeah you're a part of something so i think that was such a a unique way to do it and so i want to talk because earlier you said you usually get like 200 views when you first blasted out this kind of engagement strategy here, just for this piece not the vir- the not until we got some viral part what was your following like? What was your engagement like? Did you, what, and the reason I'm asking is because I, I love that you did it, even though, like you said, when you went viral, you were expecting like 200 views, right? I think a lot of people get nervous or have this fear that they can't do things like that because their following may be so small or maybe like, so I just kind of want to see like, what, what was your experience? What kind of engagement did you have? What was like sort of that baseline for you?
1: Yeah. So I'm very data driven. So I did a lot of research before, first of all, it takes a long time to get comfortable on the, on, on camera on TikTok. And this is like so embarrassing, but like, if you scroll down to my original videos on TikTok, oh my God, how morbidly embarrassing they are. But I decided that I'm going to lean in first and connect with people that are my target market. So moms. And I literally, for the first three months before I mentioned anything about my brand, I was doing mom content. So funny, relatable, just videoing any and everything. And I built quite a bit of a following, maybe like, I don't know, a thousand people over like a couple months. It was slow. Um, And then I started incorporating videos where, as I was talking, I was working on some of my products and people started to gain interest, so I wanted it to be very organic. I wanted mm-hmm. to gauge like are they interested in who I am and what I have to say? Some were most weren't and then I once I built a following that I knew was within my target market, that's when I started to lean in but again, it was always like relate first, sell mm-hmm. later so. Some of the videos you were yeah this is why you should buy this i'm going to tell you three reasons why you buy this right and actually those videos i think one of them hit like a million views um was a little bit of um i'm blanking not like hey buy this but right, you right. Know, a controversial something like kind mm-hmm. of controversial mm-hmm. right not to get you in trouble but just like a, a, a something that will like ruffle totally. so it was don't put the here's why you shouldn't put bows on your newborn's head and, you know, I then related it to like, it didn't land exactly well, because it was it sounded like, hey, don't buy from these companies, buy from me. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of hate on it. And lesson learned, it did not land. The, the messaging <laughs> was, was genuine, but it just didn't land. And I, I learned from it. Um, but showing up every single day and making sure that you are strategically mentioning the pain points will build your audience. And my TikTok started to grow so fast. I got to, we're at 25,000 followers now. I think I, I got up to 21,000 followers like in like six, seven months. Um, But it is very reactive to how much you put into it. At yeah. that point, I had time to sit and batch make content And I didn't care if a video got 10 views, 100 views, I was showing up, people were seeing my face, and I was being consistent. And it eventually paid off. And then in the last eight months, while I've been working on product development for the pajamas, I haven't been showing up and sales have been slow. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And this last week, I got very lucky that a a video went viral because I've been stuck at like really low views. I thought I had it like down to a science and then the algorithm like changes every single day. Every day. (laughs) Um, but it just goes to show you that this video that I walked in, and I think the video before that was like, I don't even know what you guys want to see anymore. It doesn't even matter because nobody's going to see it. Like you could just feel my frustration. Right. Um, you got to just keep doing it. And people told me that and I was like, but I don't want to keep doing it. I don't want to waste my time. You know, it's going to come when you least expect it. And you better be ready. Because I want not check the servers. <laughs> check your servers.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay, so I love I love that whole journey because, and and I'm, this is why I asked because you, what you just shared is so common. There's people there, and I am guilty of this as well of like, it is so uncomfortable to put yourself out there. It's so uncomfortable to put, make videos, wondering what's going to work, what doesn't. And in your case, you, you did something that really did not work completely backfired. Right. And so it's and that's a lot of the times when people are like, okay, like this is too scary for me right And so it yeah. is scary and nothing can take away from it outside of you just facing that fear and getting familiar with it. And I say this and I struggle with this as well, but it's nice to see you who who did go through all of that who kind of, like I said, you had that situation where like it something you uh, the message did not land. Even And you just kept doing it. And it's interesting to, to, that you really see the difference that it makes when you are consistent and how it it directly ties to your sales, because social media, I think in some cases it's easy. If that's, if you're really just focused on social media, you can kind of attribute sales. So I'm, it's nice to see that, like, you were really able to see that, like, when we scaled back or when I was not as consistent, my sales did not perform the way that I wanted it to
1: it's absolutely absolutely reactive you show up it'll come if you don't but maybe because you're working on something for the business you you can't you can't be surprised that sales are slow but I wanted to touch on the scary thing no matter what on social media TikTok especially you if you want to go viral and you do you're gonna have to have some tough skin because you're going to get as much support as you get. There will be things that are commented or things that people say that will destroy you. And I've been there many times and it was a very humbling learning experience for me and to the point where I wanted to give up because oh my God, I screwed up or you know I said something that I didn't mean this, but this is how it was received and that is on me. That's my fault that I delivered it that way. Um, you're going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable on multiple levels, but stay true to yourself and keep going because it's going to pay off. You know, when I was getting, you know, those comments of like, you're bashing other people's business, I would never buy from you. And that was so not, I was trying to be like coy and it was a terrible approach. Um, It destroyed me. It destroyed me. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I can't. So you know, you really have to teach yourself to roll with the punches and take the opportunity to learn from any hate you may get on a video because it'll teach you something. It'll teach you something about yourself. It'll teach you something about your business. Um, but it is hard to hit record and start talking. It's totally, it's
0: It's so hard. And I, I have two questions for you. One is I wanted to quickly touch on like the potential, the ruffling the feathers, because I think a strategy that, or a tactic that I hear from a lot of other marketers at the risk of basically people being like, you're bashing other marketers. I am truly not. Um, I see a lot of people being like, be controversial, do X, Y, and Z. And I understand the point of it, right? It's basically to kind of break a belief that exists, show them something else is new. However, when it's done in a way that feels potentially forced, and I'm not saying that in your case it did, but just when it's done in a way that maybe can come across that you're putting down something else or someone else. Like, how did you, how, since you've learned this, what has been the balance that you've kind of uncovered?
1: Yeah. So I, you know, I read all these things on TikTok to like, not necessarily say to be controversial, but something that's going to grab somebody's attention that maybe they don't agree with. And my intent was say something that's going to like pique somebody's interest. Mm -hmm. And then without bashing anybody or trying to intentionally bash anybody, solve a pain point. Mm -hmm. Learning that something is innocent in my head that to say, like, don't put bows on your newborn's head. That was received as me putting fear into new mom's heads, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. the last thing I wanted. And then looking back, seeing that perspective be received, I was like, oh, my God, that's exactly what this sounds like. That is terrible. That is literally the opposite of what I want to do. Right. Um, so I think there's a strategy. I don't think that the con- controversial thing is the way to go. I think more having a uh, initial hook, and everybody talks about these TikTok hooks, which I hate, but it works, (laughs) is you got to say something that's going to like, hmm, I don't know if I agree with that, or whoa, that's really interesting, or "Mm, I don't know about that, but I'm curious to see this person's point of view. So I think I lean too heavy on the controversy. And again, the controversy wasn't, when when I made that video, it wasn't, I'm going to scare moms and I'm going to bash their companies. That's my controversy. No, it was like, I'm going to take something that I clearly don't believe in because I'm about to turn around and say, put this bow on your head. Yeah. I'm going to be a boy and say, don't do this to like, be funny. It wasn't funny. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, So be strategic, really run your ideas through another point of view because- it's going to be received in a way that you might not be prepared for or intended. And once Mm -hmm. it's out there, it's out there. That's it. Yeah.
0: Okay. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that experience because it's something that I think a lot of people fear happening. It's something that I think a lot of people try to play with, with the controversy and they go. So I've seen people go really hard and, you know, and, and they do it for the sake of the strategy and it's like, and I, obviously in your case, you were like, yeah, it's really just the hook, but like, it wasn't, that wasn't what you're trying to do. But like, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear that perspective as you've been, as to like, what happened? Like, what was the thought process behind it? And then now looking back. So thank you so much for sharing that. It's really, I find it really interesting. I think it's going to help a lot of other people too, to just like, keep that in the back of their mind as yeah. they're taking advice and doing the hooks and all the things. And exactly. Um, okay. So I want to be mindful of your time. So just have a few, I can talk, literally talk to you all day.
1: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty free. If
0: you like <laughs> going. Um, what would you say? I guess actually is social media, the primary channel for you that you're marketing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you do any other marketing?
1: Dabbled with Google ads. Don't know what I'm doing. Um, so no. Uh, okay. So, social media and my um, email list is is my main focus.
0: Okay. Can I ask how are you building your email list? Like what's yeah, the strategy? Yeah. So there? I
1: on my website I have a little flyout that says, "Hey, get ten percent off of your first order when you join our newsletter." Boom. Okay. Now I have that concept.
0: Okay. The reason I ask is because I'm one. I'm always curious, and also again, any tactics people could share, but. I'm curious to know, you mentioned, and we talked about this before, when you were able to see sales trends, when you were, when you were inconsistent, was that because you just knew like the channel or do you have kind of a system of somewhat of set up in some way to kind of attribute sales based off of the marketing that you're doing?
1: You mean, how do I directly relate sales mm-hmm. to? Yeah. Yeah. So um Google Analytics is great because it shows you who's on your site when and where they came from. So when I was showing up on TikTok and I started to see a trend in like people are viewing, I would look on Google Analytics. Oh, there's 10 people on my site. Okay, it's mm-hmm. working. Or I blast out um a newsletter and then I typically check my, you know, my live real-time audience to see. Um and then it tracks it for however right. many years you want. So I looked at the trend and I say, okay, let me look on TikTok and see if I had a viral video. Oh, yep. That's why I had 1100 people. Uh, Oh, you've had 20 visitors in the last month. That's horrible. Well, what did you do for your business this month? Mm-hmm. I was designing and developing product, but right. I wasn't showing up for social media. So how am I supposed to expect to get sales? So right. it's a direct data feed of your visitors, your numbers, you know, once you have enough data to look at your numbers from last year, Mm -hmm. basically seasonality is very important. Like right now is a really terrible time to be in retail. Um, but everybody's gearing up for the holidays. So,
0: yeah, well, thank you for sharing that because I think, and the reason I ask is because like, obviously people need to attribute marketing to sales, but marketing in general is very difficult to completely, to have a direct tie but the more marketing channels you have, the more difficult it is to know what really works and what doesn't. So it's nice that you are watching it in real time, being like, "Well, I have ten visitors on my site right now," and go- and this is what I just posted on Instagram. So it's like or TikTok. So it's like it's really interesting to see that viewpoint of like, no, you're watching it very closely to see yes. what
1: works. And there there are other marketing initiatives too that I did where I worked with a incredible PR company for three months. Um, but I don't see a direct link, mm-hmm. but I know that my name is getting out there. Right. So I invested in PR. Totally, I got a lot of press because of it, but that because that article came out, I can't say, Oh, this article came out this day. That's why I had 200 users. So totally. there is so much that's indirect and it's, it's hard, to track. it's hard to track. It's hard.
0: Well, I think, and I really appreciate that that is the example that you just shared because I like like I said marketing is so difficult and that's always like the constant battle between marketing sales leadership yeah. and all the things because it's also one of the first areas leadership will go to be like well we got to scale back on marketing or we can't allocate budget because it feels like money money bags out the door and right. I can respect that and understand it but I like that you use the word investment when you it yeah. came to PR because even though that was just a three month time, I guarantee that's helping your website quality with Google. And there's an authority score not to get into the SEO of it all, but like, you know, the things that you do for marketing, it's very rare that it's going to harm your business. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, it's always an investment and it's a long game. And I think, going back to kind of the, one of the first questions I asked you is like, what's this vision of tiny not co right. And you said you want it to be a go-to resource for moms and for providing comfort and all of these amazing qualities of your brand. So I think even just you looking at marketing in that way. And also it seems like that like even through the process of social media prior to the virality of the most recent post and whatnot right like you just kept going and yeah. so I and I really want to stress that because people will just stop
1: yeah they literally and will just wa- stop and I wanted to stop plenty yeah. of times it like two weeks ago, and you too. probably will
0: next week being like oh, okay yes. I'm done
1: <laughs> yes I will yes I will <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so now
0: just a few more questions. Now that you really see the consistency, now that you have the virality, do you have systems pl- like? How are you gonna? What's kind of on your radar to help you stay consistent? Now that you have this information.
1: So now that I've kind of uh, seen, you know, that this this is something and could be something. Uh, we're did a whole server swap, so we're prepared for the next time that hopefully it happens. <laughs> Um, And now I'm in the process of designing and expanding into other prints, other body styles, offering bigger sizes. You know, I I bootstrapped my business to to date, but now I'm looking for, you know, investors or, you know, crowdfunding and really leveraging my network of connections to, you know, I had a really great call with an incredible mentor who was willing to spare some, some time um, early this morning that gave me a bunch of tips and Right now I'm focusing on building my inventory, raising the capital and just getting getting this going. I, I at this point I feel like it's the time of my brand of like either I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna risk it and invest in it, or I'm gonna just continue to float this away and, and make it a hobby. So right, right. At that turning point, I've decided I'm going for it. Yeah, you gotta yeah. double down. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna get there, but I'm gonna figure something out and it's, it's time. It's time. This, this is what I've been working towards and I have to do it.
0: I love that. I love it so, so much. Okay. (laughs) Last question. What is a, what kind of advice would you give to someone in a similar position or like maybe they're going through that fear or just any business owners that may, that are going to relate to your journey and your story? Yeah.
1: Um, I read a book, and I will try and find which book it was for you to to note. Um, but somebody told me to read this book. I think it's the lean startup. I have to check. It was the best sentence of advice of my life. And it's essentially start as lean as possible to give you the freedom to pivot. What does that mean? That means I decided, It was a good idea to go to the market with these headbands with my original print, but that meant I had to buy a lot of inventory, a lot, which you see right here, still sitting here. (laughs) Not that it's not selling, but it was a lot. Yeah. When I could have tested the market with some non-designed prints that would have had lower quantities, I wouldn't be sitting on this inventory and I could have pivoted to pajamas a year sooner than I did. Mm. So... Don't strive for perfection, just focus on selling. See if there's a demand, who cares about the price, expect to lose money, see if you can actually sell this, even at a loss, who cares? You're gonna get your costs down because that is going to save you a lifetime of funds and stress and heartbreak and burnout because then you can see, okay, nobody's interested in this. Thank God I started lean. And don't have much inventory and now I can go to a craft fair and you know sell it I'm just talking about physical products obviously right not service-based um start lean see if there's a demand then go from there
0: I love it that's great advice that's great advice and again something that you learned like and yes. you after and you kind of really am now stick I think you are sticking with so that's yeah, amazing. I mean in,
1: in, in twenty in December of 2021, where I launched, I was gonna be the go-to headband. I'm not even yeah. focusing on headbands anymore. I'm in a completely different space. Who knows what I'm gonna be doing in five years? You I might know. be in
0: car, I might be in car seats. Who knows? <laughs> right. you know? Amazing. I think you're on I think you're on the right trajectory. And I think just to kind of spin off of that sentiment, it, it particularly with the marketing piece, because there's so much pressure around marketing. And I think you do this really well of, you chose, I mean, you're on TikTok and Instagram. Are you on yes. any others? Yeah. So yeah. you chose two platforms yeah. that you can easily repurpose content for between yes. both. Which is huge. And right. And you're keeping yourself lean in that area. And I think when marketing for those who may be struggling, like it's the, the same sentiment applies of just keep it lean because you just never know it just needs to be realistic to execute unless you have the funds to outsource unless you're really rolling in the dough (laughs) like you you just keep it lean especially as you're learning because absolutely
1: and that's to even double down on that thought do it yourself at first yeah not discrediting marketers out there at all totally 100 i knew nothing about marketing but now that I'm doing it myself, even though I'm like, my expertise is this and yours is probably this, but I'm learning what works and why it works. So now when I am going to have the funds to hire a marketing agency, I can see that. Oh yeah. I agree with you on that because I've seen it myself. 100%. I've learned, instead of them just saying, lean into TikTok ads, don't do Facebook ads. Now I kind of know. So right. start lean and do it yourself. And that is the most, the free resource that you can do to totally. learn because the idea is to one day scale right and hire people but as a business owner and a founder you need to know how to do at least Everything. some of all <laughs> at least some of all of the things yeah. so you can get the right people in place and totally. you can communicate your vision and your goals to them efficiently and run clean
0: yeah okay i'm so happy that you shared that because it's so so important and I think too, like so many business owners can go- jump the gun to outsource, to do X, Y, and Z, like, and think because that's going to make them successful or they're lacking something. But you just have to try it yourself. You do. You Obviously, do. you can delegate, you can outsource it, but the more you learn, now you are in a position to make extremely smart investments when you Mm -hmm. are ready to delegate that and when you can really find a partner who's going to work with you versus you being like at their mercy and them just kind of calling the shots and you're like well i don't know like now you can truly be like no i like this is what i've seen where like you have the knowledge and you have the general awareness you don't have to be an expert you just have to be more in control of your own investment decisions and not reliant on someone else.
1: Yeah. And especially down to what you said earlier about how marketing is usually the first one to get cut because you don't, there's no direct tie. Now I'm setting my new hire up or, you know, the agency I work with for success, because I know that it's not a direct line and I would be giving them the fair opportunity to set, to explain to me, like, this isn't A direct ROI, it's an investment, Mm -hmm. and I actually know that now. Versus if I didn't know anything and I had the funds to to outsource, I would have. And they said, We got to invest in this. And I'm looking at my numbers, well, what did you do this week? What am I paying? Right? And that's that is a great
0: perspective, yeah, Yeah. because that always happens, yeah, that always happens. Now you know, now you see what goes into it, so. Oh my gosh, Tina. I could like, this was so amazing. I could literally talk to you all day. I love your story. I love hearing about it. I love tiny. I love everything. So, and Uh, again, the no kid hungry, how can we support you and anyone listening? What, yeah. How can we support you?
1: Yeah. Listen, if you have babies, if you have showers, if you have gifts, anything baby related, come to us, your purchase will go so far. Um, but if you don't and you just want to support them, follow them on Instagram and just donate to their cause. Even a dollar provides multiple, multiple meals. So check them out. They're incredible. They do not get the credit they deserve. I, I, I'm I, a huge supporter of them. They're going to do great things in the world.
0: Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much. And I, yeah, till next time. <laughs> yeah. That's it for this week's episode of The Edge of Fact. But the journey doesn't end here. We encourage you to take the lessons learned from our guests and apply them to your own entrepreneurial endeavors. As you navigate the ever-evolving world of branding and marketing, remember that it doesn't have to be overly complex. But communicating your brand effectively is an ongoing journey. It requires continuous refinement, a deep understanding of your audience, and an unwavering commitment to stay true to your story, the unique edge that sets you apart. Stay tuned for future episodes where we continue to unravel the challenges of branding and marketing through the incredible impact of human stories. Until next time, keep embracing the edge, embracing your story, and making a difference through your business. I'm Caroline Crawford, and this has been The Edge Effect.